The Aggies, the Jazz, the high schools. If it's the sport you care about, we're talking about it. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Good afternoon, everybody. What's going on? Eric Franson with you on a Tuesday here on The Fan, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, 1069thefan.com. If you're streaming there or listening to our shows, our past shows on podcast, appreciate you tuning in and joining us. Big show again today. Uh, yesterday it was the Mountain West making a decision right before we went on the air that they weren't going to uh, do anything with uh, fall sports for this season. And now... We're learning today that it's the Pac-12 and the Big Ten. Now, we heard those rumors yesterday morning that 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 announcement could happen today, and it did, in fact, happen today. So we'll discuss the implications of that. Who else may follow, or will anyone else follow? Will it just be those four conferences that opt to not do anything, the Mountain West, the MAC, Big Ten, and the Pac-12? But uh, we'll dive into that. We'll also look at how that affects potentially an NFL season and what they might do uh, in the future, considering the players that may not be playing this year, and how does that affect the future NFL draft. Uh, we'll get into uh, some other NFL uh, things today as well. Ethan Dursteller, who works for the NFL, he's uh, joining us again in studio. Uh, always great to have his insight, his insider information about what's happening in the NFL. And also uh, A.J. Knight uh, joining me today. Um, on the Full Court Press, uh, voice of the Mountain Crest Mustangs, uh, filled in many different times before. So thanks for being on with me today, guys. Yeah, happy to. Yeah, great to be here. So first of all, let's let's get into the announcements from the uh, the uh, Big Ten and the Pac-12. Uh, both conferences saying they're they're suspending their their for their fall activities, but the Pac-12 goes a little bit step further. Not just saying that we're suspending or postponing fall sports. They're not going to do anything until January 1st. So that means that has serious implications for men's basketball, men's and women's basketball, other winter sports, and that's basically wipes out the non-conference schedule for any men's basketball teams. So University of Utah, they're hearing this news today, and they're, they're freaking out. They have to be just beside themselves over you know, the news today. Yeah, I can't imagine. I mean, to lose football and at least half of your men's college basketball season in one one fell swoop, I feel like that athletic directors are probably looking at their budgets, especially at, the, at Utah, and just their heads are exploding. I mean, that, that's huge. That's a huge percentage of your revenue, probably upwards of 85 90% of the revenue your department's bringing in each year. That, that, that's just, I can't even imagine what's going through the, the head of, the, of Utah's athletic director today. And AJ, I know you you come from Big Ten country. Yes. So I mean, your reactions to the announcement today? Uh, unfortunately, I mean, I spent some time with a friend of mine, and we both went to Purdue uh, a couple weeks ago, and and he he was he's always been kind of doom and gloom about it, but I feel like it was it was coming. A lot of people felt like it was coming. It what doesn't make any sense to me. Not that I completely understand the viruses. I know a lot of the campuses in the Big Ten conferences are going to have students on campus, so if it's so dangerous to play football, why are the students coming to campus? Because I get the contact sport element of it, but you know that there's so much more, I don't want this to come across negatively, but there's so much more pampering that's done for Division One athletes than there are for the regular students. So why is it not safe for athletes and it is safe for students? I just don't, 
to me, and with the Pac-12, I really don't get jumping the gun. Like, if you want to cancel winter sports or half the winter sports, fine, but why now? Can you wait it out at least a little bit to see how this goes? Yeah. Well, I think yeah, that's pig- a surprise. Yeah, piggybacking off that, it's like these Big Ten schools are still going to have kids on campus, and, and the football players obviously are students first, so they'll be on campus. They're going to be going to parties. There's going to be nothing to take up their time. They're going to be much more likely to be exposed to a virus, I would think, exposed to the virus at a college party or at a college classroom than at, in a controlled bubble environment where they're getting tested two, three, four times a week, right? I mean, again, I'm not an epidemiologist, but you would think that that would be safer. I think there's uh, – I was maybe a little bit guilty of making this argument yesterday in the heat of all this that was going on to suggest that if they're not playing football, you know, kind of like what you guys are saying, that you know, they won't get the testing, they won't get the nutrition, they won't have the uh, control, like curfews they have to be met no. and things like that. But I think one thing I went maybe a little too far, and I think others around the country I'm seeing this too, is to suggest that these players would be home and who knows what situation they're at at home. They'll still be on campus. Right. They'll still be in a a university environment, but they won't have some of those other controls that they would normally if they were in a regular routine with a football team. For sure. I mean, I think I made the worst decisions of my life from the ages of 18 to 22 on Utah State <laughs> University's <laughs> campus, right? Like, these kids aren't just going to be sitting in their dorms socially distancing. I mean, they're 18 to 22-year-olds without the structure of football, even if the president of the university says, hey, don't go out, don't party. I mean, they're 18 to 22-year-old kids on a college campus. They're, they're going to go out and party. It's just, I mean, I if don't I know. If I know I don't have a game, uh, if I know I'm not going to be tested for whatever, if I know I don't have to meet a certain curfew because there's a practice the next day or a game the next morning. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and these no, are, Nothing's going to stop them. Yeah, especially because you look at the, they're the best athlete. They've been the best athletes their entire life. Nobody's really ever told them no. Without that structure, like... Again, they're 18 to 22-year-olds that have been gods among men for 18 years of their life, and now they're just told, like, hey, you can't go out. I just don't think it's going to happen. The other thing that, uh, not to say that lives are less valuable than money, but how many Olympic sports have been canceled in college sports already before, like, football season hasn't even technically started. So now if you're the Pac-12, what does that mean long-term for your programs? I mean, Stanford closed, what, half a dozen programs about a month ago? Yeah. Now, about a dozen. A dozen. So now yeah. they don't have football. Now they're losing half the basketball season. I mean, what are the ramifications financially going forward? On top of that, if if the SEC holds out, and I think they're going to be the last one, and I think the ACC is going to be right behind them, the Big 12, from what I've seen, is more on the fence. But if those three conferences decide to stick it out and come up with a season in the fall – what are the ramifications for the sports landscape going forward? Does the Big Ten fall behind? Pac-12 already struggled to get into the playoffs. What does this mean for their sport outlook going forward when it comes to that? It's a great point because they're going to own the space. Yeah. I mean, they will have exclusive Saturdays will be about only a handful of conferences. And even average players will be billed as great players because there's nobody else to steal the attention away. Yeah. And these programs will get the, the financial resources, they'll get the money, they'll get the attention, and they'll get the top recruits. Do you think there'll be realignment implications? Like you saw Scott Frost, Frost from Nebraska yesterday say, we want to play, we're looking to we're looking to switch a conference. And he said he had the support of his athletic director and school president to, I don't know, maybe try and play in the SEC for a year. So if Nebraska were to hypothetically play in the SEC for a season – what does that mean for the Big Ten going forward? Does Nebraska permanently switch to the SEC? I mean, if the Big Ten loses a school that has that much revenue, obviously each of the other schools, you know, 
is affected by the diminished revenue sharing. I think it'd be fascinating to see if there's realignment implications going forward. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. That is a a real concern. Uh, There's several college coaches, uh, college programs, even athletic directors who were not on board with these decisions. These were university presidents that made these decisions. There were some degree of of getting feedback from athletic directors and what was going on and how it would affect their departments. But by and large, it was the presidents that made these decisions. Um, you brought up Scott Frost. Uh, here's actually some of the things he had to say um, uh, and that uh, some of his, his comments about that his team, they, they want to play. They're ready to play. They'll do whatever they need to do. There's a lot of speculation, a lot of things swirling right now with what's going to happen. I wish I had all the answers. I don't. Um, I have a group of players that I love, every single one of them. Um, I ask them to fight for us all the time, to fight on the football field all the time. Uh, I think it, at sometimes the, the head coach, head coach's responsibility is to fight for what they want to. Um, our football players want to play. Uh, the coaches want to coach. We want to play football this year at the University of Nebraska. Uh, and then these are comments that he made. This was yesterday, of course, before today's announcement, but – uh, if the Big Ten ultimately decides to cancel, what is Nebraska's response? Wait for it. We want to play a Big Ten schedule. I hope that's what happens. Our university is committed to playing no matter what, no matter what that looks like and how, how that looks. Um, we want to play no matter who it is or where it is. So we'll see how those chips fall. We certainly hope it's in the Big Ten. If it isn't, I think we're prepared to look for other options. There you go. That's a reference to what you said earlier, that they are going to look for other options. So I think going forward it could be interesting. Uh, CBS Sports put up an article less than half an hour ago talking about it, and TV executives, which is the problem with the realignment, said that it's actually really challenging because even if Nebraska could figure it out, they would not – Big Ten owns their television rights, and so if they go play with the SEC, it, it throws a big um, anvil into that whole situation just on the subject. The other thing is the problem with it. So I, I understand what Scott Frost is saying, but in all honesty, how much thought do you think really the presidents put in when they said, we'll maybe play football in the spring? Because that, to me, I, I don't I don't personally see it happening because it sounds like it's just, uh, well, maybe this will happen, but I don't really think they've done any legwork into it. So, because you have all the stuff with the draft, you have all the stuff with the bowl games. You have, like, so are they going to split the bowl games in half? Is there going to be a real championship or championship one and championship part two? I mean, they may play a conference schedule and a conference championship just so they put it down on the record books. But I don't think if they play in the spring, which I don't think they will, they're not going to play in the bowls. They have to communicate with the NFL to fix its schedule, and I just I don't I don't see it happening. I've, I've said this on, on the show before. I, I totally agree with you. I don't see a spring season happening. I, even if it did, and I've again, I've said this, the best players aren't going to play. Like the big, no. ten, like, like Justin no. Fields, no way is he going to be like, yeah, I want to suit up January 30th. I'm going to draft yeah. on April 15th. I'm, I'm going to risk tearing my ACL. Like that's just not going to happen. So you're going to have a bunch of like, no offense to like freshmen and sophomores, but a bunch of like new players that are unproven go out and try to play in the spring. I mean, I just, I don't think it's going to happen. And, 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 Again, piggybacking off what you said, I don't think the school presidents put a ton of thought into saying we're going to push to the spring. And I think that that points, and I hate to be the NCAA doomsayer, to 
the flawed structure of the NCAA yep. where the college presidents are making these decisions and the people that actually have a say and have a stake in college athletics really don't have a say at all in what happens, right? Like Scott Frost wants to play yesterday. John Harbaugh said he want Jim Harbaugh said he wanted to play. Luke Fickle said he wanted to play. Yeah. Dabo Sweeney said he wanted to play. All the players came out and said they want to play. And that doesn't matter. They don't have any say in the decision, which I mean, I think points to the the, the larger flaw, flaws and and ultimately the flawed structure that governs college sports. Yeah, I don't think it's a safety decision. I think it's a liability decision. I think, no, I think they made right. the decision to avoid lawsuits. Yes, it's about liability. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, and regarding spring, uh, the uh, the Big Ten in their announcement, they said uh, they will continue to evaluate a number of options regarding these sports, uh, including the possibility of competition in the spring. Decisions regarding winter and spring sports will also continue to be evaluated. So nothing really definitive. Uh, the Pac-12 basically said the same thing. Um, that uh, that they were just they said college sports cannot operate in a bubble. This is Larry Scott saying this. Our athletic programs are part of a broader campus and communities where, in many cases, prevalence of COVID nineteen is significant. But still, really, no commitment or a, a game plan for what could happen in the in the springtime. And this is where I get so frustrated with this: is that in March, when things started to shut down, yeah. We started to see there's a possibility this could affect college football or the fall sports. As even when we got into May, when teams were like, "Hey, we got to know a game plan for when our teams, our players can report on campus to do workouts, to do their weight training, yada yada yada." And it was like, "Well, we'll wait and see. We'll wait and see. We'll put it off. We'll put it off." And even in June, when we had a better idea of where the numbers were and what was happening, still there's no, there's been no consistent plan or plan of attack here, and it's. It's so frustrating that th- these organizations can't get that figured out. Well, I think you said it before we got on air. What? Is, why is it that one conference says no, this is manageable, and one conference says no, this isn't? I, well, What's I mean, the it, difference? I think it's fascinating. Like just p- exactly like you said. Like this is the Big Ten commissioner's statement. As time progressed and after hours of discussion, it became abundantly clear that there was too much uncertainty regarding potential medical risks to allow our student athletes to compete this fall. And then. Dr. Cameron Wolf, a Duke infectious disease specialist who's the ACC's uh, medical expert, says, we believe we can mitigate it down to a level that makes everyone safe. I, b- I believe you can sufficiently mitigate the risk of bringing COVID onto the football field or into the training room at a level that's no different than a student living as a student on, no different than living as a student on campus. So you have two conferences, two medical experts hypothetically saying two different things. I mean, I just don't get how you get to that that point. I, that's what's so confusing. It's like It's not like... One has like respected epidemiologists, full credentials, <laughs> right, right? And another one's like a no offense, but to the chiropractors of the world, but one was like a chiropractor and says, yeah. "Yeah, I'm a medical doctor, and this is my this is my opinion." You no, know, these are very competent medical professionals that these conferences are turning to, and they have like 180 degrees different opinions about how to move forward. Yeah, I mean, you look at this guy from Duke, right? The ACC's expert. He's a he's he's a doctor of infectious diseases at Duke. I mean, you can't criticize that guy of being like a Republican shill, right? That's just trying to get football to be played, right? It, but on the other hand, neither is the Pac-12's doctor, like you said, Eric. He's a the, the, they're fully credentialed experts in their fields. I don't get how they're not coming to similar conclusions. The thing that really disappoints me about the Big Ten is they were one of the conferences that went to just conference schedule. So they wouldn't have to really arrange with anyone besides their conference. So if the SEC, who looks like they're going to make this work, and the ACC as well, 
Why not delay it? What's what's the problem with knocking it back a few weeks? They've done it before. I mean, so they weren't going to have to rearrange with anybody else. I mean, if that's the case, punt it down the road for a few weeks. And you have to cancel it, you have to cancel it. Actually, that gets to a, a text that we got in. By the way, if you want to text the program, we'd love to get your, your reactions to the, to the announcements today. 435-339-0321. Uh, 435-339-0321 if you want to text in. This coming from 9315 says, I feel like they're just kicking the can down the road and not coming up with a plan. Why would you do that? I did uh, did not hear anything in their press conference today that said they have a plan they're working on, but they just gave up. We can and should do better for college athletics. I think I I mentioned this earlier, but I think that the reason there's no plan is because the system is so flawed. The college athletic system, like if this were in the hands of athletic directors, coaches, and players, and then I think that you would have a little bit of of a more concrete plan because these are the people it affects, right? But the people making the plan are conference commissioners who just worry about TV money and college presidents who just worry about TV money. So I mean, they they don't really have any incentive to. To, to make a plan, because that's not where their money comes from. No, it's funny he says that, because think about the playoff uh, committee. It's not run by the NCAA. Right. It's an outside organization that yeah. picks the yeah. the biggest games of the season. It's not even run by the nah, the organization itself, and yet this, these are, yeah, it's leadership. Yeah, the it's NCAA leadership has problem. been flawed for a long time, yes. and it's just been grossly uh, exposed through all of this. Yeah, like what player was consulted as like, hey, how do you feel about taking on the liability of playing in the NCAA? Not a single player. I sure bet they didn't even call one person when they made this decision. You look at the NFL, and it doesn't matter what the public thinks because the players' union negotiated with the NFL the the safety protocols, right? Like the season's going to happen because the players agreed to take on the liability. They negotiated right. that. In college sports, there's no such structure where the players can say, yeah, we'll take on certain liabilities if you make certain trade-offs. And that's a flaw. I mean, that's an issue. That's a huge issue that I think is kind of exploitive, and it points to maybe some structural changes that will be you know, made in the future in college sports. And I think, I mean, maybe COVID-19 is the reckoning college sports needed. There was some speculation on Twitter, specifically with the Pac-12, regarding that, that actually the reason why all of a sudden this started to accelerate, specifically for the Pac-12, was that they weren't terrified of COVID. They were terrified of the whole union thing. And they were like, nope, done. There's a lot of <laughs> speculation that after all these letters started coming out from all the different conferences that the NCAA really started freaking out about that because the system doesn't work if, the, if they're unionized. Well, let's let's dive into that a little bit more, actually. let's uh, After this uh, timeout here on the Full Court Press, we have players' unions, we have players' associations at the professional level. Are we getting closer to a point where we have something similar at the collegiate level, are we past due for something like that? Probably. Has the disruption from COVID accelerated the uh, eventuality of something like that in college athletics? We're, yeah, I think so. But uh, can it be consistent across the NCAA? Or will each conference have their own that they create? So let's get into that a little bit. We're still going to get your thoughts on it as well. 435 339 0321. You're listening to the Full Court Press, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, streaming online, 1069thefan.com. 
Show your school support with a customized face mask from Locker 42. Locker 42 has custom face masks in stock featuring Skyview, Mountain Crest, Logan, Ridgeline, Green Canyon, and Utah State. These $15 face masks are the best, and they look great. They're lightweight, washable, reusable, adjustable, and come in two sizes. Get your customized school face mask from either Locker 42 location, 1430 North Main, and 36 South Main. They can also supply you with hand sanitizer and wipe dispensers customized with your business or company logo. Locker 42. It's back to school time. You're getting the clothes and the supplies, but don't forget the haircut. The students at New Horizons Beauty College are trained in all the latest trends and techniques. Plus, New Horizons has great prices on the products to help you maintain that new look, like Redken, Matrix, Biolage, and Bricado. All services performed by students and closely supervised by licensed instructors. Oh, hey, they're also enrolling for fall classes right now. Create your own individuality at New Horizons Beauty College in Logan. Olivia, from Washington. Laid off and trying to keep our little kids from realizing that mommy and daddy haven't eaten in a while. Roger, from California. I'm grateful we could afford our son's surgery. I'm nervous that now we can't really afford food. Daniel, from California. Choosing whether to pay the rent or pay to fix the car to get to work doesn't leave us with much at all. Now we can't even pay for meals. Donna from Louisiana. The storm just hit, and we went from donating to the food bank to needing it. Keisha from South Carolina. I've been skipping meals so my two kids can eat, but filling up on water doesn't really work. Hunger is a story we can end. End it at feedingamerica.org. Brought to you by Feeding America and the Ad Council. It doesn't matter who you root for. The Full Court Press has all the high school sports covered. The Full Court Press. Connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and online at 1069thefan.com. It's Full Court Press here on The Fan, and uh, as you might suspect, statements have now been released from the SEC and the ACC. I'm not going to read all the statements. It's basically, we saw what happened in the Big Ten and the Big 12. Uh, student safety is still our priority, and we're continuing to evaluate things. That's about all they really said. Um, about where they've stood the whole time, I think. Yeah, really. Probably a lot smarter statement than, hey, we're shutting everything down until January. (laughs) (laughs) It just seems really premature still. Yes. Things that are still months away, we're making decisions now for it. But I I think we discussed this the other day uh, on this show in regards to the Mountain West that part of the reason why uh, some of the motivating factors to do make these decisions uh, early rather than later is – uh, there's a there's a significant financial aspect to it, you know the cost of bringing all these athletes onto campus yeah. early, uh, food, equipment, you know all, all these things that go into the ramp up to a regular season. You avoid all those costs if you if you make those decisions now rather than wait. Uh, but the question that was brought up right before we took the time out was, um, we we've seen these hashtag united whatever conference united. Uh, starting to become more of a thing in the last couple of weeks. You know, the players from these conferences banding together, saying, "Hey, we want to play, but we want to make sure 
that certain things are done or met to for our safety. Pac-12 went a little bit weird when they were talking about finances. Yeah, they went yeah. hard. <laughs> but it's the Pac-12. <laughs> yeah, they're a little bit out there. But you know, it happened in the Big Ten. It happened in the Mountain West. It's happened in the Pac-12. And some of the decisions that are being made uh, in regards to whether or not play happens, as you said, Ethan, it doesn't appear to be much uh, consultation going on with with the student athletes. As a stark contrast to what happened with Major League Baseball, NBA, NFL, where they've went back and forth to discuss and agree upon these are the standards that need to be met. These are the standards that we're comfortable dealing with, and we can all move forward. Uh, are we going to get any closer to a, kind of a players' association or a union in college athletics? I know Northwestern tried to do this a little while yeah. ago, and so there's there's some momentum building behind this. But what? First of all, do you think it's possible? And second, how does it work? And how's it been working for an organization like the NFL? I mean, I, I hope it happens. The power structure that exists currently in the NCAA is so massive that I think it, it really makes it difficult to form a players' union that isn't just for show but actually has legitimate negotiating power, can actually sit at the table and say, this is what we will and won't do. Just because of where the money is and how the conferences work currently, I think it's difficult. Um, I will say that for the NFL, obviously – Sometimes the players' association can be a thorn in the NFL side, and the NFL can be a, a a thorn in the players' association side. But when it comes to crises like we're facing now, it's extraordinarily convenient and 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 good for the game to have a players' association that can assume some of the liability. Right? I, before we went into the break, AJ mentioned like, "Hey, this decision is strictly." a liability decision for these universities. The conference, yep. the, the school presidents are making this because they don't want to be out money. And that makes sense because if they told their players to come back and the players got COVID-19 and players had no say in making that decision, then they should be able to sue the school for negligence or for gross misconduct, right? But in the NFL, the Players Association sits down, right? The Players Association Council sits down with the National Football League's Council. And they basically, so the Players Union in the NFL is made up of 32 player reps from each of the 32 teams, and then an executive committee, a president, and an executive director. So they pick a council. They, they represent the needs of the players. They speak for all 2,700 players. They go, they sit down with the NFL's management council, and they discuss, like, hey, these, these are the negotiations that we want to make. So, for example, you know, there's a lot of news about opt-outs, right? There's, there are players in the NFL that have had cancer or have new babies and don't want to take assume this risk that comes in the COVID-19 environment. We want these players to be able to opt out, not have it count against their contract, be able to play safely. And the NFL says, okay, like it's a negotiation that we'll make. It's a concession we'll make if you do this. The players have a say in it. We're able to agree to a season. The season is scheduled to start as, as expected on September 10th. And whether or not the what the public thinks of that, the players and the NFL have come to an agreement to play a season. They both assumed the risk. There's not going to be lawsuits from from a player suing the league because the players had a say in how this worked. They had a say in in what happened. They had a say in where the money went. They had a say in how the, how the salary cap will be affected in years to come. So I think that it while maybe it's a threat to power structures that, that the power to the structures that be in college football for the long-term health of college football I think it would do them good to have a players union to share in these discussions to share in these debates and ultimately to share in assuming the liability for these large decisions that that are that need to be made 
AJ, how logistically possible would it be though at the collegiate level? I mean, you'd have <laughs> that was my question. Hundreds I, of representatives like by said, conference, it'd, it'd right? So, it'd be so hard to do. Yeah, you'd yeah. have to do it by conference and then work from there, I would think. Yeah. But what don't you think, Ethan? That a uh, it would like because I feel like the NCAA is obviously they're terrified of giving the athletes themselves any power. But like, does anyone remember it was um, the Connecticut point guard? And he talked about how he went to bed hungry all the time. And then there was a specific rule that got like brandied about a bunch. And it was basically a coach could give a player a bagel because that was a snack, but they couldn't give him a bagel with cream cheese because it was a meal. And that was an improper benefit. Like something like that is so stupid. <laughs> but personally, I feel like if a player's association existed, something like that would have been rectified a long time ago because like a player's association, one, I know there's a lot of criticism for some of the stuff that these union posted and. They would be there to guide them. And two, like specifically college athletes, how often do you hear stories like they don't know who they can trust? This guy wants you to do this. Well, obviously, he wants you to make money. It'd be nice, I think, for the players who are 18 to 22, as we alluded to, making smart decisions in the pandemic, to have actual, like almost legal counsel who has actually their best interests in mind so they can make informed decisions. And I feel like it would actually make the NCAA's job a lot easier. For I- sure. Because, like, right now, you have players, right? Again, 18 to 22. What if there's some sketchy donor that's like, hey, take yeah. a ride on my plane, and the kid's like, oh, yeah, okay. I that mean, sounds it, fun. Yeah, that sounds fun. I mean, I'm Who's eight- going to turn that down? I'm 18. Yeah. I grew up in the south side Chicago. <laughs> I came to Utah State, and now, like, a dude's offering me a ride on his plane? Sure, why not? Yeah. Like, how convenient would it have to just be have, like, a council or, or a Mountain West Players Association that was like, hey, dude, like, that's off limits, while at the same time making things more reasonable, like, hey, a coach can give a poor kid, like, a bagel with cream cheese on it. Yeah. Like, the rules are just so absurd right now, and, and it's so confusing for the athletes and the coaches to have to deal with it. And you see players like getting their lives destroyed all the time by these stupid like benefit and compensation yes, laws that, that make no sense. That. And kids are losing eligibility. They're losing their ability to play in the pros. They're losing like, – I mean, it's just it's, – it's such a squampus mess well, that you feel like you could figure it out to yeah. some degree where well, yeah. there's compromise and balance. Uh, one more thing, Eric, too. And the other thing is people have been so upset about how messy these tw- – these letters have been on Twitter, right? It's because there's not an association. The players don't have a seat at the table to go talk to anybody. Yeah. So if there was an association, they go, hey, here's what we think, and then they go to the table and figure it out. But there's not, and so the only thing they can do is go to social media because especially now, so many of them have been hyped up on social media. That's the only place they have a voice. It uh, would have solved so point. many issues. Yeah, I wonder with if a player association idea or framework, you know, the idea with – where we have it in the pros is these are these are adults these are professional millionaire adults right who also have other people that are handling them and working with them closely right who understand a lot of the ins and outs of some of these things where these college athletes not a not a slight on all college athletes but these are 18 19 year olds no. they're not really all the way mature in the in the head no. sometimes no so uh but there'd have to be some kind of representation, like you said, some legal representation, somebody who's going to understand the ins and outs, the legal implications of it that can help represent them because they may have some ideas, but how successfully can they really represent themselves? Yeah, yeah I mean, absolutely. that's a real challenge. Yeah, absolutely. You look at like, for example, yesterday and today, right? AJ mentioned all the player letters. You had Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, basically the biggest stars for the for the biggest programs in the country, tweeting out, "We want to play, but we have nowhere to express our opinions except for via Twitter." Right? That would be the equivalent of like Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes, 
all of these guys being like, hey, we want to have an NFL season, and the NFL just being like, hey, sorry, we're not listening to you guys. I mean, that's, that, that's an asinine idea. Like, you would listen Ludicrous. to your star players. Yeah. They're the ones that create the revenue, ultimately, right? They're the reason people watch college football. The fact that these players, I mean, I'm not going full-fledged, like, we should get rid of the NCAA, but the fact that they don't even have a seat at the table to discuss, like, yeah. hey, we kind of want to have a season. We feel safer. You know, we've sacrificed a lot to have the season. That's insane. That's insanity. They don't even have a chance to sit down and express their opinions to these school presidents. And the school presidents are just like, sorry, we're not having a season. The governor told me no, or the network told me no. I mean, it's just, it's sad. It is. And there there are player councils that do get created at the conference level. Uh, There's usually a male and a female athlete from each school that represents. Um, But they they don't have any power. They don't have any authority. They're just there to participate, to maybe offer suggestions. Here's what it looks like on the ground floor. But ultimately, the power is with the the head football coach, the head men's basketball coach, conference commissioner. Um, They're the ones that that hold all all the power and authority. And with all this disruption... Hopefully there is some change that happens with that. Yeah, that there is more of a voice and more of a credence to what these players are asking for. And to I understand too that there's a, a certain degree where the players will want to play and they'll want to put themselves out there, even at a, a significant risk to themselves. And sometimes other people have to step in to protect protect you from yourself. Sure. Um, but at the same time, those players still don't have a legitimate voice. So, yeah, I mean, even if the structure were to be changed to where people closer to the game, right, like coaches and players had more of a say, because like we mentioned earlier in the show, all the coaches seem to want to have a season as well, but they don't have any say. It's these conference commissioners and school presidents who really have no incentive to have a football season other than like, hey, I'm going to have money, but will I lose more money when I get sued? Rather than like, how does football affect me? Can we keep the kids safe? Uh, actually, yeah, out of actual concern for the players and for the for the well being of the game and the and the programs that be. I mean, these are people that don't really have any incentive to to see the long term health of the sport, which yeah. I think is sad. Yeah, to piggyback on Ethan's point, I think it it would it would help make it much more um, clear as to what's going on because not to say that all coaches are bad, but like coaches, ads, presidents, they all have their agendas. So having a an organization that is just for the players would probably help with a lot of the player issues because you know, okay, there's no agenda here. This person's here to represent me. Yeah. That's why players' unions exist in the first place, right? Yeah. There's no agenda, no NCAA. Oh, no, we can't do that. We want to make billions of dollars but not pay you any. No, there's someone here to represent me. Uh, I think this is a fascinating discussion. I think it'll be interesting to see how if this, if this can pick up steam uh, throughout college athletics. Um, if it's just a – I think you're right. To, to make it really work has to be – conference by conference but could a mountain west players association look vastly different from a pac-12 probably they have to right it probably would but yeah, the, still have something in place some structure that gives the, the athletes some voice yeah, and some I, power and authority i agree i don't think that the ncaa i'm not i'm with Ethan. i don't think it should be destroyed but i think it should be careful football is a little bit more challenging because of the nfl's rule of three years but you've already seen basketball, the players jumping ship to go to the G League. And I feel like if the NCAA doesn't kind of try and catch up, players are going to try and find a way to break it because it's just not serving their purpose. Yeah, I was just going to say, I mean, The Rock bought the XFL, right? He's gonna, It's The Rock. He's going to create an enticing product. And, and, if, and he's a smart businessman. Maybe he comes to some college players and says like, hey, I'll pay you 
something that's better than what you're getting now. I have no eligibility requirement. Yeah, no eligibility requirement. Yeah. You come, you play in the XFL, no eligibility requirement. It's a great sounding board to get the springboard to get to the NFL. I mean, that's already happening to college basketball. Like, I bet my prediction is that in five years, none of the legitimate college basketball stars will even play college basketball. They'll play in the G League, they'll go to New Zealand, they'll mm-hmm. go to Europe, they'll play for two years, and then they'll just transfer over to, to the NBA. Completely piggyback on that is a great business model because then it's not competing with the NFL. Exactly. So I don't know if The Rock's listening, but that is a great idea. <laughs> He's he a big I'm fan sure of the show. Yeah. I'm just yeah. saying that's a great business model because the problem is they always end up competing with the NFL. That is a much better idea. Yeah. Make it the minor league of the NFL. All right, uh, got to call another timeout here in the Full Court Press. When we come back, uh, let's talk a little bit more about this upcoming NFL season. There's been a lot of change, uh, players moving from one place to another, Pl- players who have been in, in those places for a long time, and now they're donning new uniforms. So who are we most excited about in their new, in their new digs? And then what are the, the, the best quarterback-wide receiver duos for this upcoming year? Some of those moves impact both of those, either quarterbacks or wide receivers. Could they make both of those lists? And a little bit later on this hour, we'll also get into our uh, stat that blew our minds and our player of the week. Stay tuned for that. Coming up on the Full Court Press. If this uncertain economy has you concerned about your job, listen to what Schreiber Foods in Smithfield has to offer. A sign-on bonus of up to $2,000. Plus, they'll match any vacation time you've earned from your current employer. On top of that, new full-time hires get health benefits starting on day one. A 401k match up to 8%. Paid time off, tuition reimbursement, and so much more. Offer applies to the Smithfield Schreiber Foods location only. Full and part-time positions available. Apply online at schreiberfoods.com and click on the Smithfield location. Equal opportunity employer. This is Ryan at My Mattress. We all know some of the side effects of not sleeping well or forgetfulness, inability to focus, bad driving, hallucinations now and again. Does this sound familiar? City of Lewiston? Lewiston. We at My Mattress care about you and your well-being. Prove all the other cities wrong and show them that you do care about better sleep and buy a mattress at My Mattress. If you're sleep deprived and can't remember where we're located, we're at 981 South Main by the South Walmart. Lewiston, isn't it time to sleep exceptionally? You've been putting up with a dirty, dusty wood stove for years. Why haven't you changed it? Go to Advanced Fireplace and Stove in Logan. Look through their showroom for ideas on quadrifier pellet and wood stoves and heat and glow gas fireplaces. They have several demos in place so you can see firsthand how your project will look. And you can trust the pros at Advanced Fireplace and Stove. They'll do the job right. Advanced Fireplace and Stove, 752-7272. Online at advancedfireplaceandstove.com. Northern Utah and Southern Idaho's home for sports. It's the Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Several new players in, uh, in new arenas, new jerseys that they'll be wearing. Who are you most excited to see in their new new surroundings? And what does the uh, upcoming NFL season look like for the best tandems between the wide receivers and quarterbacks? I think some of their there could be some crossover on both of those lists. At least I do have some. But uh, let's get your guys' thoughts on that as well. And, and feel free to text us in if you've got somebody that you're looking excited or you're excited to see for this upcoming season in a new uniform. Uh, or who you think will be the best quarterback-wide receiver duos in the NFL. 435-339-0321 if you want to text in and let us know. Uh, Let's start off with the new players, 
new places. Uh, or I guess I say old players, new places. would be the more accurate way to say <laughs> that. Um, who are you guys most excited to see wearing a new uniform this year? So I'll, I'll start. Go ahead. I picked five. I'll start with my number five. I picked Greg Zerline, the Legatron. <laughs> the Legatron. Legatron. Wow. He's, uh, he's, he's leaving the uh, Los Angeles Rams, going to the Dallas Cowboys. The reason I'm excited to to watch him is to see how the Cowboys can ruin this kicker. <laughs> uh, they just have horrible kickers. I mean, they cut Brett wow. Maurer after he missed like a third of his field goals two year, years ago. They signed Kai Forbath, who was just as bad last year. I, I want to see if the curse, if, if it affects Legatron. That's what I'm excited <laughs> oh, for. That's great. That's awesome. Uh, AJ, anybody on your list? Uh, uh, well, I'm, <laughs> I thought he was going to go. I mean, I don't know who number one is. I mean, obviously, you have to say Tom Brady, right? Like, yeah. I'm just, I'm going to be excited to watch Tom Brady and Bill Belichick until one of them retires to see which one of them is legit and, or which one of them wins. Cause, I mean, this argument has gotten kind of petty, in my opinion. <laughs> but I, obviously, they're, uh, they're competing. Plus, I, I'm, I love Drew Brees. I'm a, he's a Purdue alum. I'm a Purdue alum. Um, and so I think he picked a really interesting division to go to as well. But obviously yeah. Tom Brady. Mm, yeah, I think that's an obvious one. And uh, mine is related. Another one that I have that's related to that is Cam Newton going oh, yeah, absolutely. to New England. How well will he fit in? Just his style of play in his previous stops, just will it really work in, in New England? Or will he adapt to the New England style? Which will adapt first, New England to Cam Newton or Cam Newton to New England? And uh, will they still be a successful franchise? With a yeah. former MVP, I mean, here's a guy who yeah. knows how to win, yeah. but he's also physically not quite as able as he used to be. And doesn't have a great supporting cast in, on the offense in New England. Mm, that's true. You guys took my number one and two. I, I, I put Brady Gronk. I combined them as one person. Is my number one person I'm most excited to see. Cam Newton was number two, so I'm going to go back into the weeds. Number four, Jack Conklin, guard, Cleveland Browns, coming over from, uh, from the Titans. Uh, I'm, I don't really like watching Olin, O-linemen play football. They're important, but I am excited to see what effect he has on the Browns. I feel like last year Baker took a lot of flack for taking a step backwards, but that O-line was absolutely atrocious. It was bad. Uh, and Jack Conklin is a beast, so I'm excited to see you know hit, hit Baker have a little bit more time to get the ball out to OBJ, to, 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 uh, to uh, what's Landry. the name of the other guy? Landry. Landry. Jones, yeah, Jarvis Landry. So. I'm excited to see the effect Jack Conklin has on the Cleveland Browns offensive front. Interesting choice. Uh, selfishly, Nick Foles. I'm a Bears fan. Uh, I'm. I was done with Trubisky last year. You're uh, not a Trubiskaholic. I'm not. <laughs> I'm. I'm a realistic fan. He was bad last year, um, and so I know that the uh, pace should be criticized for giving up a fourth round pick to a, a for a quarterback the Jaguars are absolutely going to cut, but. The argument, I think, as a trying to be an optimistic Bears fan, is the fact that Nick Foles only succeeds in uh, Andy Reid's systems, and obviously Matt Nagy, the Bears head coach, is a Andy Reid disciple. So fingers crossed, because that defense <laughs> is really good, and I want to see the the offense not be, you know, all right, just try not to turn the ball over, and we'll see if we can score seven on a pick six or something. I have to bring this up with every Bears fan I, I meet, but know. you know, Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson were in that draft as well. Yes, I am aware. <laughs> For the record, <laughs> Patrick Mahomes, while obviously better than Trubisky, it needs to be stated, because I hear this a lot, 
Andy Reid and Alex Smith had a big impact on him this first year in Kansas City, and the Bears coaching staff was John Fox that year, so he definitely would not have been the same player in Chicago. He is better, but I just feel like that needs to be stated. <laughs> sure. But, I mean, just a basic, like, throwing mechanics is important. No, Those I'm are important. Just, I'm just, I don't dispute it. They made a terrible decision. Uh, I want to go to one of our text messages that came in from uh, 1810. Excited to see Tom Brady. He will be beautiful in any uniform. Is that RJ? That sounds like RJ. <laughs> uh, it's, yeah, he says, so cool that the NFL still opts to play. Guess we watch pickleball until then. <laughs> oh, come on. Hockey's on. Yeah, yeah baseball, the NBA playoffs will be happening. Yeah, you got a lot Playoff of hockey's legit. Uh, one player on mine, I didn't rank mine. I just made a list. Uh, but a player on my list, DeAndre Hopkins, one of the most baffling trades that happened. Stupid. Uh, but sending him from the Houston Texans to the Arizona Cardinals, a great wide receiver. Uh, how will he fit in uh, with Kyler Murray? I'm not necessarily sold on Kyler Murray yet, but with that air raid offense um, and uh, with some legit wide receivers around him, Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins could be really pretty fun to watch. Selfishly, he's on my fantasy team, so go Hopkins. <laughs> you know who I did not put on my list is David Johnson, who was traded for DeAndre Hopkins. So that alone should tell you that was a bad trade. I, 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 this is a selfish pick for me. My number three was Melvin Gordon. I love the Broncos. I'm excited to see his mm. beautiful hair flowing out of the back of his helmet as he runs for touchdowns against the Raiders. Do you have I them as a dark horse? A lot of people think they're a dark horse, especially with the seventh, <laughs> yeah. seventh playoff team. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I don't love Drew Locke. Like, I, okay. I know I should because okay. I'm, I'm a big Broncos fan, but I think that that offense is so stacked that if he doesn't play well then that's like a pretty big indictment on him so I mean I could see that they should make the playoffs and with that defense once you get him in the playoffs and it's cold and they're playing a mile high like who knows right so yeah yeah Yeah, that's fair Fair. Super Bowl 2020 maybe (laughs) good luck how about uh, Jameis Winston can Sean Payton and the Saints fix turnover Jameis that could be interesting because I I have a feeling I don't think so either (laughs) I didn't like him when he was in Florida State it was pretty easy. I thought it was pretty obvious that they were going to get crushed by Oregon the year they got crushed by Oregon. But uh, you know, everyone is pretty astounded by. Um, and Bridgewater was a pretty good quarterback before his injury, but everyone's astounded by what Bridgewater did. So famous Jameis has plenty of talent. Obviously, just can't make out the difference in the jersey colors. I was going to say he has a lot of innate talent to throw the ball to the opposing team. First thirty thirty season ever. First time. It yeah, was incredible. But maybe under Sean Payton, maybe things That's just, I'm curious. Yeah. But how does that affect Taysom Hill, uh, our friend Ajay's best friend, Taysom yeah, Hill? Yeah, he's very high on Taysom and his 30-year-old uh, backup quarterback. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they put like a first-round tender on him, didn't they, they when did. they re-signed yeah, him? They did. And yeah, they're high on him. Uh, another one on my list, Calais Campbell, uh, defensive like end uh, from Jacksonville Jaguars, now ending up in Baltimore. Uh, here's a guy who was t- he's tied for third most quarterback hits in the last three seasons. And the Ravens, we already know they're already a very good defensive team. They already have another good pass rusher in uh, in Matt Jord- uh, Juden. Um, they've got a great secondary, very deep secondary. They're going to be lights out defensively, and he's yeah. just going to be a big part of that. I'm pumped for that one for two reasons. One, I think that defensive players, especially defensive linemen, just look better in that Ravens black uniform. Like I played defensive line. I think defensive linemen look sweet in that jersey. But also, you know, the Ravens were so incredible throughout the regular season last year and just got wrecked by the Titans in the playoffs. I think Calais Campbell, while being really important in the pass rush game, will also be important to stopping Derrick Henry against the Titans when, you know, the Ravens inevitably play them again, as well as pressuring Patrick Mahomes, who are the two, I think, you know, big contenders in the AFC to, to threaten the Ravens this yeah, season. Yeah, great point. Great point. 
Uh, any others on your list, real quick? That you guys had on your Can list? Can I cheat? I have one that's not a different jersey, but how about Miles Garrett coming back? I mean, that counts. I'm I pumped say, for that. I want to see what happens, especially the first time they play the Steelers. <laughs> I had him. Remember, we did top five players in the NFL. I had him in my top five. I think yeah. he's incredible. Oh, he's, he's yeah. a specimen. Yeah. I mean, that was one of the dumbest decisions ever, but specimen. <laughs> well, yeah. Yes. Uh, and then let's quickly get through some of your quarterback wide receiver duos. Who are you guys looking forward to the most? Who's going to be the most impactful? Uh, my, again, I ranked him one through five. Again, number five, I just put him in there because of history and, and what they've meant to me as a football fan. Tom Brady, Rob Gronkowski. I know they're both old. I know they're both going to a new to new digs. They're both going to be wearing new jerseys, but I mean, I'm just excited to see Brady and Gronk on the same field again. I mean, a lot of my football fandom was was centered around those two guys and how much fun it was to watch them. So I think it'll be it, it, at least just if, if nothing but for nostalgia, it'll be fun to see those two connect again on the field. Mahomes um, and uh, Hill. Hill was hurt last yes. year. I want to see coming off a Super Bowl, and I think confidence at an all time high. I mean. The like the make or break play in the Super Bowl really looked like Mahomes was just like, all right, Hill, I'm just gonna throw it, and then Hill caught it, and then made that was a 40 yard gain or whatever it was. Yeah. Just they they look like they're playing backyard football when they're locked in. So those two, I think they're the scariest combo in the NFL, yeah. right? Because it's just like you have a dude that can huck the ball 80 yards, and you have a guy that can run a 40 yard dash faster than anybody else. Yeah, just it's yeah. terrifying. Uh, they were on my list as well. I have Tom Brady on mine, but. Uh, with the other guys that he's paired with, uh, Evans and Godwin, sure. it's yes. a great wide receiver core there. That either one of them, it's Brady, is very effective still. Maybe not in the deep ball, but just how he always seems to find guys. Yeah, I didn't want I didn't want to be a Tom Brady shill and give him three spots on my list, but yeah, I'm really excited to uh, one, two to see the goat throw it to some great receivers. Finally, I feel like it's been a long time since he's had somebody good to throw Brady the ball Moss. to. Yeah. <laughs> yes. How about uh, Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams? Mostly because the Packers didn't sign anybody, and so we're fresh off the season where it was last year, right? Michael Thomas set the receptions record down in New Orleans yeah. it was the year before. I think Devontae Adams could do it because basically Green uh, Rodgers was clamoring for receiver help, and then, no offense, like I know we're in USU territory, Jordan Love, and I got it, but they were like, all right, let's just use our first three picks to get backups, and we'll see how this goes. So I think Devontae Adams could threaten the record this year because he's going to get thrown 150 targets. Yeah, simply because he's the only person to throw the yeah. ball to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think Aaron Rodgers is going to have something to prove. Like, hey, I still got it. That too. I still got the stuff. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I put uh, Russell Wilson and Tyler Lockett on my list. Uh, they they actually last year had the first overall uh, Pro Football Focus ranking. Uh, they were the best rated duo in the NFL. They combined for a, a, a one forty eight passer rating since twenty eighteen, which is insane. Uh, I think that they're pretty terrifying when Tyler Lockett's healthy, which it seems to be rarely, but when he is, those, those two are, are really fun to watch. I mean, that toe touch last year. And yeah. Those neon greengers. They look great. And uh, Bobby Wagner's better than, than uh, Taysom Hill. I just thought I'd throw that in there. We were talking about the Seahawks. <laughs> He's not here to defend himself. Thank goodness for that pointless argument. <laughs> I know that they've, he's been around for a long time, and I know, well, both of them have, but they're still a great duo, and that's Matt Ryan and Julio, Julio Jones. I mean, just yeah. uh, best wide receiver in the league. He's still making things happen. Uh, that's a franchise that they've got some talent. They just don't know how to handle it, uh, but it's still a really, really talented duo between those two. Yeah, I agree. I think they would be higher on everyone's list. I, mean, I think that they lead – uh, the NFL over the last couple of years and like yards per reception, total receptions, first down receptions, third down conversions. They just rarely 
unfortunately connect for touchdowns. That's so which weird. Which is a bizarre stat, but I think that that's what keeps them lower than number one on a lot of people's lists. I, I agree with you. I think that had they scored more touchdowns and had they not had the epic you know, failure to the, to, the, to the Patriots in that Super Bowl, they would probably be number one on a lot of people's lists. Uh, a text that came through says, uh, don't forget Lamar Jackson and a healthy Marquise Brown. I like that. Yeah, I who love actually Marquise has them, Brown. Yeah, it's the uh, second. Sorry, the they're the maybe someday award. Yahoo has them as their best quarterback receiver pairing, so they're like fourteenth. Got it. I think. Yeah, I love Marquise Brown. He, the, the only thing is he's skinny. I feel like he gets hurt a lot, but uh, in that play action offense where that. Lamar is like you know doing a lot of you know, fake handoffs, he has the ability to run. And Marquise Brown is so fast and sneaky and can get behind the, the the DBs. I mean, they're they're really fun to watch. And yeah. I, I mean, if Lamar can get him the ball, they're going to be awesome. Oh, yeah. I mean, he can play. He can run, and you're not going to not stack the box against the Ravens. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. He's going to have single coverage. Uh, just real quick, a, a sleeper for me that uh, could be interesting is Phillip Rivers and T.Y. Hilton. Uh, Phillip Rivers, new place. <sighs> is he? Is it going to be a rejuvenation for him? Is he going to be out to prove? I hate that guy. The haters wrong? I hate that guy. Uh, T.Y. Hilton, a great, very talented wide receiver. So uh, and then Josh Allen and Stefan Diggs in uh, in Buffalo. Those are kind of sleepers that I'm going to be keeping an eye on. Love Stefan Diggs. I know Josh Allen went to Wyoming, and we should support him as our Mountain West oh, brother. Comes. But uh, he's not good. He's not a good quarterback. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! I uh, we got to take a quick time out here in the full court press. Uh, when we come back, stat that blew our mind and our player Thanks of the week. You're on vacation and your vehicle breaks down. Nothing can be worse. What can you do? This may have been avoided if you went to A1 Automotive for a pre-trip checkup. A1 Automotive will give your car the once-over so you can prevent a disaster. And they offer a three-year, 36,000-mile warranty and roadside assistance. Online at A1AutomotivePerformance.com. A1 Automotive is so busy, they need experienced automotive techs. If you're looking for a change of scenery, give them a call or drop off your resume at the shop on 10th West. Cache Valley Ear, Nose, and Throat. The premier Ear, Nose, and Throat Clinic in northern Utah is open inside the Cache Valley Hospital and the new location in Providence next to the Bank of Utah. Social distancing guidelines apply, and you can be assured each office is clean and safe. All services are now available at the Allergy Clinic, Hearing Clinic, and Ear, Nose, and Throat offices. Most insurance products, including SelectMed, are accepted. Please call 753-7880 for telehealth conference calls. Stay safe from your health professionals at the Cache Valley Ear, nose and throat clinic let's take a look at the numbers it's the stat that blew our minds he did what on the full court press wow that blew my mind all right on tuesdays we take a look at the stats what numbers just really stood out to us and then also what players stood out to us let's start out with the stats the stat that blew my mind over this past week the Phoenix Suns, they're on a six-game winning streak right now. They are undefeated in the bubble. Yep. They are just blowing people away, which is how good they're playing right now. Uh, some dramatic play at the end. Uh, but, by the way, this they're in the middle of a six-game winning streak. That's the longest that team has had since December of 2014. Oh. <laughs> that, that probably tells you more about how bad they've Man, been historically. That's awful. But Plus that blew my mind that they have not had a six-game winning streak for that long. Okay, uh, so Tom Brady left the Patriots, right? So the AFC East is supposed to be more open this year than it has been in at least 20 years. Here's a stat that blew my mind. 
The Tennessee Titans, a.k.a. the Houston Oilers, haven't been in the AFC East since 1969. They have as many AFC East titles as the New York Jets at four. Oh, my word. Beautiful. Take that, Rex Ryan. (laughs) Uh, My stat that blew my mind, a local-ish stat, Corner Canyon High School is riding a 26-game winning streak into week one against Farmington this Friday. That includes an undefeated 5A state championship season in 2018, an undefeated 6A state championship season in 2019. What blows that blows my mind. What really blows my mind, though, is that's only the sixth longest streak in state history. Whoa! Any guesses as to what the longest streak was? That's crazy. 2010 to 2014. Oh my word! Duchesne won 48 straight games. 2010 to 2014. Hey, we'll have to put the uh, player of the week in the next hour. Stick around, everybody. And this is above the noise. We've had a lot of great scramblers in college football history. Michael Vick, Vince Young, Johnny Manziel, just to name a few. But I'm not sure we've ever seen a whole sports scramble as much as college football has this week. When news started leaking out that major conferences might cancel fall sports, chaos broke out. Players and coaches chimed in saying that they want to play. Some schools reportedly talked about jumping to different conferences. President Trump even tweeted about it. A week ago, conferences were releasing their schedules and things looked like they were moving forward. But we've learned how fast things can change during a pandemic. A week later, the chances for a football season seem slim. What's going to happen the rest of the week? Heck, even the rest of this day. Everything is moving fast in one direction or the other. Hopefully the sports organizers can get their act together and make the best decisions possible during a very difficult time. I'm Dan Patrick, and this is Above the Noise.